I thought that okay. you just started saying a sentence and stopped. Nope, I was saying <laughs> I, like I am here. <laughs> Welcome to After the Movies, everybody. It's Star Trek time. Star Trek. Star Trek. I love Star Trek. I don't know if we all love Star Trek. The Wrath of Khan. It's Star Trek Week 2 in our Star Trek film franchise series. And I definitely like Star Trek. I, I enjoy Star Trek very much. Uh, little recap. Jimmy is a big next-gen fan, big Star Trek fan in general. I am a little more new to the to the series, but I've been enjoying the original series episodes. Um, we both love film franchises, and it's a little weird to cover in our, in our normal podcast format because we're trying to do newer movies, which we've got a couple lined up, I think, in the next couple weeks, but... Um, you know, top of the year. It's always a little weak in terms of new releases, so we thought, mm-hmm. why not? All these Star Trek movies are on, on Paramount. Let's give them a watch. I've always wanted to see them. Uh, and we don't have the time to add another podcast to other week, so... <laughs> we certainly don't. Uh, so... As we're filming uh, this one at Friday at, Friday at 5.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, so, that being said, we watched the motion picture last week. We had mixed opinions on it. Um, kind of a slow burn. Yeah, some some really good stuff, and then some stuff that didn't feel like Star Trek, um, kind of weirdly enough, considering that Gene Roddenberry uh, was a producer on it, and in this film, because of the motion picture, they gave they, William Shatner said they kicked him upstairs. They gave him a, what he called a ceremonial credit as like executive consultant Uh, which i have to say from uh, the motion picture to the wrath of khan if that's the only change that they made it was needed yes and and i don't think that they so i did some research and roddenberry was not happy with um there's a naval kind of feel to this movie where where they specifically they they went for a quote-unquote swashbuckling atmosphere and they they have like there's moby dick references throughout the movie um they added some some bells and whistles that are commonly on like ships to the enterprise to, to kind of give it this naval feel and roddenberry did not like that um so and they just ignored him <laughs> they, they they locked him in a room upstairs and and they uh kept making the movie and yeah i yeah i don't know that this is just the results of that um well i think they actually filmed it and wrote it like a movie though and not a two-hour show this felt like a film and not just a hey we made this two-hour long star trek episode right you could i think that you could tell that this was yeah i mean exactly what you said because the premise for the motion picture was just an episode for star trek phase two that never got used and they stretched it into the screenplay now why they stretched it into like a two hour and 15 minute screenplay i don't know um but this is shorter uh as it should be because it's like even with star wars um i don't need to sit through any uh, 
look, The Godfather's in a different league, but it's like they're very rarely do I sit in front of like a movie that's like over 215 and be like, oh, this needs to be this long. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and that goes especially for movies that are just like fun space adventures, you know? Get me, get me strapped in. It's like an amusement park ride. Imagine if a roller coaster just like didn't end, and by the end of it, you're just like, I'm sick. It's like a lazy, what? it's like a lazy river, but it's just a roller coaster, just going up and down, <laughs> up and down over the loops, but slowly. Like you're almost like, am I gonna get stuck here? Nope. There was a, there was a one time where Jess and I were at the fair, and there was like a carny running the, uh, <laughs> the scrambler, and he, we. You can't him to say please. carny, dude. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say it as much as I want. We we tried to get him to stop the ride, and he just I think made it go faster. And we were very sick by the time that we. Uh, Everybody's got, got a Carney story. Everybody's got a Carney story. I remember going to the, like, it was the Warren County Fair, with uh, a college buddy that was from Warren, and watched him spend two hundred dollars trying to win an Xbox on. <laughs> I was just like, can we please leave now? I'll go to Walmart right now and buy you an Xbox if we can leave, please. What was the game? It was the it was the circle and you had to drop the three metal plates to cover okay. uh, the circle, but you have to do it. There's only one way to do it where it covers. And the guy just kept like conning. He was like, look how easy it is. And then boom, another 50. Boom. And I was like, oh, geez. Boy, oh, boy. Um, I'll tell you what didn't con me. My expectations for the Wrath of Khan, because uh, Khan me. I just put that together. Um, just I, how we uh, drew it up, Aaron. Just how we drew it up. This movie is like known as like one of the best Star Trek movies, um, and one of the better science fiction films. I don't know if I'd go quite that far. Like it didn't. Uh, it, I don't know that it was like necessarily groundbreaking. But it was like, when I watched it, it's like the pieces immediately fit into place. And it was like, oh, this is what the Star Trek movie is supposed to be. You know, like, this is kind of what was missing from the motion picture. This feels like an adventure. There's, like, more action. There's sets that happen that aren't just on the ship. Which, yep. I mean, you, know, you get a little bit of that in motion picture, but, like, not enough. Especially for its runtime. Um, you get... A great villain, which it was missing from the first movie. You know, the first movie is kind of weird in the sense that it didn't really have an antagonist. You like it kind of does at the end, and then you find out that it's just like Veger. Veger. Right. No Veger in this one. Thank um, God. So yeah, I I love this. Um, now, had you seen this one before? I don't think so. I had to be honest with you, man. The more I think about it, I don't know if I've seen. I thought I did, but it might. I think I watched these with my dad when I was a kid, but it's so hard to remember going back that far. So this felt like a like a fresh watch for me, um, yeah. and I was very happy. And I can see a lot of people. There's a lot of our reports saying that this film is what kind of revitalized the interest in the Star Trek franchise and pushed everything that we see now. I mean, I'm currently watching Star Trek Discovery yeah. right now. I'm currently on a watch through of that. How is and it? All, and all these things that came from just, you know, if this is the film that 
you know, started this. I mean, we have the next generation, we have Deep Space Nine, we have Voyager, um, you know, Picard, Discovery, and I know I'm missing a couple, but um, I'm absolutely loving Star Trek Discovery right now. It breaks the mold of, so Picard and Discovery break that episodic or, you know, that one and done feel. Everything is, it, it's an ongoing adventure from season one to now to season four. It's just carrying on and on and on, so. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah. I, I, and you, I think that this movie, the, it's, it's like the, it's, uh, I feel like even more, it's like warm the longer I talk about it because there's just so much that I appreciate about it. And I think that you can tell that even, even like cast and crew had a good time with it because, um, Leonard Nimoy famously only agreed to do this because they, they said they would give him a death scene. And then he had such a good time filming it that he said, is there a way that I can make it so that my set Spock can come back? Um, and I think that that's like, just go, it, 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 it's one of those things where it's like the energy behind the camera comes across in front of the camera. Um, 100%. It, you know, it's, it's very like joyous to watch. Um, that, that scene, is, let's talk about that for a second. That scene when Spock runs down to the engine bay and just pushes his way through to save the ship. It just gave me chills almost just watching him just try to save the crew and seeing that emotion between, I mean, so you actually see emotion in Spock, which I mean, the Vulcans historically known as being emotionalist. It's not logical to have, have emotions. Right. But to see him and Kirk at that end, it just breaks the whole, Vulcan thing and two I mean Spock is half human so he does have those elements nobody come after me okay I get it <laughs> um so what I will say is that this movie is good and that scene is what makes it great I think like mm -hmm. that is kind of the the end of this movie this it doesn't even have necessarily to do with con like the con stuff this movie is just like it's good like I enjoy it it's very solid the ending stuff with Spock is what pushed it into like great. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, at no point did you ever feel throughout this film that Khan was really going to get an upper hand. It always felt no matter right. what happened or what was happening, the enterprise and Kirk and the crew always had a slight edge over Khan. Khan never felt, you know, in a lot of times in action movies, there's that part in the film where you're like, there's no way the hero's going to win this. I never felt right. that in this movie. It was always like, they're going to beat him, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. That's actually a great point because I think that without the Spock stuff, it almost goes to show that like the most, because what's different between this and Star Wars is that, that you have years of character relationships from the, from the series Mm -hmm. to, to go off of like leading up to these films and so like it goes to show that like how much the audience cares about the characters is way more um important than anything like any external threat like even though it's great to have a villain and khan is awesome khan is like great yeah khan's I mean, a really good villain great villain you know like it's it gets away with not ever really feeling too real because that ending is so real. The the internal stuff. The internal mm -hmm. stuff between Spock and, and Kirk is so real. Um I did this was like not I'll say like spoiled, but have you seen the new Star Trek films? Like yeah, I've the, seen them all. 
So I've seen all of, so I know for a fact, I've seen all of the next generation films uh, with Picard and the Enterprise, uh, the Enterprise crew. And I've seen all of the new um, Abrams. Abrams. Yeah. So into darkness, which it's been a while since I watched the Star Trek, the newer ones, but um, borrows heavily from this movie uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch's character turning out to be Khan. Mm-hmm. And the same, if not the same, similar ending. I haven't watched, it's been probably eight years since I've seen that movie. We um, might get to those on the pod too. We might see, we might just go through, it might be whenever we don't have a film to watch, you might just watch a Star Trek film and just kind of yeah, crush I'm, whole entire thing. I'm curious uh, to revisit it because I remember it being really effective. And so I did kind of know going into this, that, like, that's that scene like i kind of had the idea of like kirk you know con and like like all that kind of stuff um going into it but it it also goes to show how effective that scene is just because even knowing kind of what's going to happen it was still like like you said it gives you chills how good it is i mean it it really feels like a great send-off for nimoy's character and a great setup for what i'm assuming will be in search of spock um interesting so the the script leaked. Uh, I don't know how that happens in the eighties. I don't know how people share that information. Like one Trekkie finds out and calls two Trekkie friends, and they they both call two Trekkie friends. <laughs> uh, but the script leaked, and people knew that uh, people knew that Spock was going to die, and there were like Leonard Nimoy got death threats, and there were people taking out ads, like full page ads in magazines, like begging Paramount Pictures not to kill off Spock. Um, I mean, that's why the Star Trek fan... I mean, that's why these... You could talk about it. It's a little over the top at times, but the emotional emotional investment that the fans have to all of these characters, not just the original series, but even including the next generation, Deep Space Nine, every single one of them, what they all have in common is the fans of those particular series loving the characters or loving a character in it so much so that they feel like they're part of that character's life. Right. It's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the greatest movies and television shows feel like that. You feel like you you identify with parts of a character. You feel like you know them. You know, you feel like they're you have a relationship to them. Um, again, it gets carried away. Like you said, it can get weird if people don't understand the separation between reality and fiction, but like, yeah. And what is it? It's para, it's like para, parasocial relationships. And I'm not sure if that's more geared towards the relationships people forge with like real people, with like like content creators and stuff like that. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it is this thing of like, I don't think at the heart of it, I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling connected to a character and with caring I don't about either. that character. You you invest in that character's story, so you want the outcome of that story to be something that you enjoy or something that's desirable. Uh, don't send people death threats. <laughs> that's where it gets a little over the top, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what we're getting at. Um, like, but... you're so mad about the character dying that you're going to kill the guy that plays the character to make sure that that's it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird loop you're putting yourself in here. I don't under, right. I don't quite understand this. You're going to kill Leonard Nimoy. So then there's definitely never a Spock ever again. 
because yeah. they killed off yeah. the dog. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so they actually, uh, when they filmed the, the Spock's death, uh, nobody who wasn't um, essential was permitted on set. It was like a blacked out set for like three days. Uh, Chatner originally wanted it to only be Spock's silhouette. He wanted it to be like kind of this like translucent um, divider where you can only see like his uh, his silhouette. Um, and they they overruled his decision. And I I like the glass divider. I like that you can see both of them uh, personally. Yeah, I think that you would have lost a lot of that. How I felt during that scene if it was just you know just just his figure. Like if you didn't yeah. see his actual face and seeing how. You know, you start to see how it, it it was affecting him and how his skin was starting to change. Yeah. Um, um, I think it's interesting with some other stuff, just kind of spewing out facts here, uh, but, you know, people always talk about Star Trek versus Star Wars, and the thing that kind of ties the film series together is that uh, the effects were done by Industrial Light and Magic, um, and they were done, like, right after that company was done with Empire Strikes Back, and right before they went on to do Return of the Jedi, um, which I think is like a cool connection. Uh, this movie was originally supposed to be called Vengeance of Khan. And then they found out that Return of the Jedi's original title was going to be Revenge of the Jedi. So they changed their title to Wrath of Khan. And then Star Wars ended up changing their title anyways to Return of the Jedi. Um, the director of this film, uh, Meyer, Nicholas Meyer, I believe. Um, mm-hmm thought that this was actually going to be released under the name of a future Star Trek film, Discovered Country, and it was changed without his knowledge during uh, the editing process to The Wrath of Khan. Hmm. Um, he, he thought that Undiscovered Country was more representative of the themes of the movie, like the death and the rebirth, the Genesis machine, uh, all, all that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, I definitely could see that. The Genesis machine, uh, the Genesis machine is pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, the first one of the first scenes ever done with completely with uh, computer graphics, which is really interesting um, to me. Just to kind of as like an early effects thing. I mean, mm-hmm. the effects in this look great. Definitely less use of effects in this than in motion picture. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't bother me because the the pacing is tightened. The action keeps things moving. Um, it's very funny to me. Kirk Shatner was not very pleased about having to play uh, a forty-nine-year-old Kirk. He he said, "I he said I can keep wearing makeup and play him younger." And they said, <laughs> "They said no. We want him to be middle-aged." And he was fifty-one at the time in real life. Uh, and so he was not pleased about having this kind of aging Kirk and having that be part of the story. But I feel like that's a huge part of the story. You have the fatherhood thing of him discovering he's a father. Um, you have this idea of him growing like, you know, uh, is it McCoy that gives him the gift and says like, oh, don't mm-hmm. grow old behind a desk. Like, yep. uh, go out and, you know, get behind the wheel again. And, and um, you can't do that with a Kirk that is forever young. You know, you got to give these things. That's that's I, I feel like when I read the quote from Meyer, I, I sorry if I'm rambling, but um, he said that what he gave this film was like. 
almost like knocking it down a peg is like what his biggest like influence on it. He said that Star Trek was turning into this thing that was so like sanctimonious and so like held in high regard and everyone like had these things that you have to do these certain things with Star Trek. It's just the way it is. And he was like not uh, an avid watcher of the series. So he was like, why does it have to be that way? Like, why can't it be this way? And so he essentially knocked it down a peg by trying to make everyone more human and less kind of these like wooden moral mm-hmm. people. Uh, and I, that's, that's like what makes the movie great is how you connect oh. with these characters on an emotional level, you know, it really does, man. Do you know what uh, William Shatner and I have in common? It's an actual thing we have in common. So it's not the fact that you keep uh, refusing to play a 49 year old, even though I keep asking you to. Yep. That's one of them. <laughs> Are you sure? Because I thought you were playing John Taffer in an upcoming uh, sketch. <laughs> um, he is not 49 years old. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, rough 49. No, what do you have in common? Uh, Shatner and I have the same exact birthday. 60 mm. years apart. 60 years and apart. That's, that's coming up. It was my birthday last week. Yours is coming up next month. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. About um, uh, in a month and 11 days. <laughs> but who's counting? Yeah, but it's not me. <laughs> Just trying to hope for a little bit better of a birthday than the last couple COVID ones. That's all I ask. Yes, I'm sure it will be. Um, we've got some plans. We're, we're, we're figuring out. So, mm-hmm. But uh, I will be sure to give you reading glasses so you feel like shit on your birthday like McCoy does here. <laughs> Romulan ale and uh, some some bifocals. Cause a little I could use a good I could I could use a good aged Romulan ale right about now. Shout out to How to Drink on YouTube, the the bartending YouTube channel. They did they do a lot of uh drinks from pop culture, and so he did a drink recipe on on Romulan ale that, that you can oh, nice. make, which is pretty cool. Um, definitely recommend that channel for people who like to make weird cocktails or, um, but anyways, um. So, do you remember any other of the original? series movies do you know if you've seen any of the other original series movies i don't know man it's all just going to be a uh touch and go right a discovery in itself yeah i thought the scene with the genesis machine um where they're hiding it and they go outside and it's like a new world essentially it's like gorgeous there was a lot of good things with that. I wish that we saw more of the Genesis machine in, um, like almost wish that maybe a, like its own standalone something. I just want more. I want to see more of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it like, it, like almost like it wasn't like a, just a device. Like it was something that had a little more bearing on the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd agree with that for sure. Um, how about those eels? The what? Slugs, the ear slugs. Oh, the ear slugs. Yeah, right at the beginning there when Khan's putting those slugs into the ear. Those were cool. Those uh, made it was me nice cringe. to see that Chekhov kind of came out of it. I it was for some reason when I was watching it, I'm like, I don't think Chekhov dies, does he? And then I'm now, like, oh no. And the other captain is the one that commits phaser suicide, <laughs> right? Yep. What a crazy way to die. An honorable, an honorable way too, realizing that he has no control over his body anymore, and 
the only way to save Starfleet and what's going on is to blow himself Sacrifice up. himself. Unlive himself. Yep. Um, yeah, so che- <laughs> here's what I have to say about Chekhov. Uh, when I was watching, so I... I how do I want to start this? Is it better to give you what happened or what my... Okay, so on Wikipedia, they said that they're, they use like a giant ear for the shot of the thing crawling out of his ear. Uh, it freaked audiences out too much, so they removed it. But when I was watching this, I was like, that's a big ear. I was like, that's definitely <laughs> like a model ear that that thing is crawling out of. I don't know if this is some kind of... Because with the motion picture, there were some changes made after release that we might have actually... I don't know what the Hulu version is, if it's like the original theatrical or if it's got some improved effects or something. And similarly, this is from the same collection or set. They all have kind of the same cover art. So I don't know if this would be maybe an updated version with some new... Not yeah. new effects, but maybe it's got some footage replaced or something. But when I was watching, I was like, that is a big practical ear. <laughs> the Roddenberry cut, dude. They gave us the Roddenberry <laughs> cut. Um, it's freaking me out. Did you hear what Roddenberry's original pitch for this was? No. Oh, my God. All right. So you also have to help me make sense of this, because as not like an avid Star Trek watcher, does this make any sense? Because to me, it sounds insane. Okay. Roddenberry originally wanted the sequel to be the Star Trek cast, uh, or the, the, the Enterprise, I should say, going back in time, which I know there's precedence for in the series. I've seen like the, the episodes where they go back in time. But they wanted to do it because they have to fix a timeline where the Klingons have tried to stop jfk's assassination okay you lost me there that's where you yeah i was like all right makes sense go back in time stop the klingons that makes sense and then you were like jfk's assassin there's there's a lot of there's a lot of um precedent of them going back in time i know at least for one um in deep space nine quark and his family go back in time to like world war ii and they're held in like this weird it wasn't World War II. I think it was World War II or maybe it was the 60s. But anyways, they're in this weird mili- military camp and they're all like probing them and everything. So there is precedent for that in later. But I've never, I don't know why the JFK thing, that might be a Roddenberry just pet. <laughs> a Roddenberry original. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just like, I there is precedent in the original series too because there's a really notable time travel episode and i'm trying to figure out which one it is here um they don't really mess with um actual historical events though in most of my experience with star trek i mean there's talks about it but actually going back and having a whole entire movie where they're back in time stopping the klingons from having jfk assassinated that's just a weird premise for me and i'm not sure how exactly that would work yeah because it goes because your question everyone's question hearing that is like what what do the Klingons want with JFK? <laughs> and also, like the assumption that it it it's almost like that movie would have been based on the idea that JFK, like it's a good thing that he was assassinated, um, because like oh, that's a good know, point, yeah, right? Like like they're the Klingons for some reason want to keep him from being assassinated as if that's a bad thing, um, 
I'm like, I don't know. I'm no alternate history scientist, so I couldn't tell you what what would have happened if we still have JFK around. But I just like picturing they lock Gene up in this room, and uh, he's he's like yelling down from the window ideas, and then they like they have a, a shot collar on him, and they just like zap him every once in a while so he'll keep quiet. And I like to says, think. He says, "Give me one, give me one shot, give me one shot." I have a treatment here. They say, "Okay, Gene, what's your treatment?" And he gives it to him, and they go, "Yeah, time travel. We like that Klingons. Oh, people love Klingons." And then he hits them with the JFK, and they, they they're like, they, "Back in your hole, Gene. Back in your yeah, hole." They, they give him some fresh food and water in his uh, in his bowls, and they <laughs> they lock the door behind them. I would like to think that they were filming. They were quote filming another film while gene was watching just to keep him occupied and then when this one came came out he was like what happened to my movie (laughs) yeah i think that the moral of this movie is that people who don't uh people who don't this sounds terrible people who don't respect star trek make better star trek movies like what's going on there? It's like people that understand that it's supposed to be fun just make more fun movies than mm-hmm. people who you know. It's like even like Shat like Shatner's suggestion suggestion for Spock's death scene sucked. So are, like wait, the people that are wait, too close to it. Wait, so are you? Wait, so are you saying that you would make a better Star Trek movie than I would? Buddy, I've already started. <laughs> it's about them going back in time. <laughs> January 6th, 2021 <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to change what happened to our beloved capital on that day. Well, my, that's crazy because mine's going back in time to keep Neil Young's movie or er, music on Spotify. <laughs> the, the Klingons, it's like 20. It's actually, I think the timeline is like, it's like 20. Well, it's like what, 22, 30 or something. I don't know. They have Spotify in the future. The Klingons like really want to listen to Harvest Moon, mm-hmm, but they can't. Like, What's happened here? I, I I don't know. I don't speak Klingons. So. That was a good one, though. That was, that was good. It's perfect. They're like Joni Mitchell is no longer available. <laughs> oh my god! Oh man, we didn't talk about like Khan at all, but I I feel like uh, we did. Look, people should watch the movie. We talk mm-hmm. about this all the time. We don't really recap plots here. But the idea is, like, the con stuff's just fun. This is, like, a fun movie for, like, three quarters of it. And for, like, the last quarter, it's, like, goes beyond being a fun movie. Yeah. To being, like, a great movie. Um, And you don't really need us to recap, like, the weird pirate adventures of Kirk and Khan going back and forth. Khan's mad at him. They go back and forth. You know, Kirk comes out on top, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's that last of the movie that really... Sells it. Really sells it. Um, I loved launching Spock's gasket. I thought that was just like an awesome moment. That shot of it going around the like the um, planet's curvature, and it kind of like sparkles in the distance. I thought that was really cool. And um, and then how it's on that new Genesis planet and just sitting there. Yeah, which was filmed at a Golden Golden Gate Park, I think. Um, it was filmed at Bush Gardens. Right by the roller coasters. I was gonna say the roller coaster goes by in the shot. <laughs> um, yeah, and 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 uh, to find a way to know that people are upset about Spock's death going into this movie, 
And then he did, they specifically filmed to throw people off so that that trial run that you think is the opening of the movie before it's revealed to be a test, Spock dies in the test run, but he's not actually mm-hmm. dead. It's like, you know, so they did that to throw people's expectations off. To, I'm sure there were some people that were mad, but to deliver, I read that like the fan reception was really, really good to this. So to imagine that even a fraction of those people that were like really upset about Spock's death seeing this and being like, oh, this is like handled so well between his narration at the end and everything like to the, for them to be like, okay, I'm okay with this. Like Star Trek's back. I will let them do what they want to do because clearly they're doing something special. Mm-hmm. It just feels like a really thoughtful movie to me. You know, It was, man. That's what's crazy is that the person who made it didn't really care about Star Trek, but he made a great Star Trek movie. Well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know what makes a good film, you know, yeah. and there's that, you know, maybe they know what's good for Star Trek, but they don't know what's good for an actual film and building the story and making the people that spend money to come and watch your film actually enjoy it. So, yeah, there's a level of, I'm sure, creative negotiations that have to happen when you're working with uh, $12 million as opposed to... Mm-hmm. The TV, what an episode of the TV show cost. Um, this movie did cut down on a ton of costs. They reused a lot of stuff from the motion picture and from the series. Um, the motion picture was like $45 million, and the studio was like furious about that. And so the first thing they asked the story writer, the original story writer, who's not the same as the screenwriter, the first thing they asked him was if he could make a movie for less than $45 million. And he was like, sir, where I come from, I can make five movies for that much money. <laughs> um, so the budget was originally $8 million, And then uh, after the first, you know, uh, bit of shooting, producers got to see some footage. And they were so confident in it that they gave him another $4 million. Nice. Um, but um, they've, a successful film, I believe. Numbers real quick. Have it up. Oh, I don't. It's not on Wikipedia. Oh, wait, because I'm on the phase two thing. Uh, budget of $12 million, box office $97 million, So the uh, studio definitely made their money back on that. Yeah, very, very successful. Um, and it makes sense like that that's what revitalized things because not only commercially successful, but critically successful, especially after the motion picture being kind of a flop in that sense from a mm-hmm. critical standpoint and from like a fan standpoint i mean i read again i'm kind of new to this but i read that a lot of fans don't even consider the motion picture to be like canon or, or part of like their star trek they just started at con because they, they if like i had to make a suggestion to someone who's like hey jimmy i really want to get into these films i'd say start at the wrath of con there's no reason to watch the motion picture no and there's also no um connection between the two which is great i love an episodic thing where somebody could you know i I like that somebody could just start this and have zero knowledge of star trek Mm -hmm. really at all um and still probably pick up on why the ending is so i mean there's discussions about so like you come into this cold not knowing spock's deal there's still enough references to him being like an explicitly logical person and they foreshadow the thing of like the needs of the many outweigh that of the few or of one 
Um, so his death is still, I feel like, powerful and impactful. He, even you if know what's super familiar. You know what's funny is the last episode I watched. I'm on season three of Discovery. Um, Captain Saru's talking to a well. It's no longer the Vulcan anymore. It's Navar, um, and. He said, and she says something on the lines of, well, Starfleet was more concerned about the needs of the many instead of the needs of the few. And Captain Saru goes, well, isn't that what your whole, like, I ideology was? And she said, after years and wars, we end up dropping things like that. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Very interesting. So I was like, hmm, that's cool. But Great ladies movie. and gentlemen, thank you to all the new people that are listening to this podcast. Our numbers have been great and we've been getting a lot new, a few new subscribers over on our YouTube channel as well. And if you're sitting here wondering, when are they bringing back their video content? March 4th is going to be here before you even know. We just wrapped up filming. Uh, so very excited for that. If you'd like to support not only this podcast, but everything we do at Lomo Media, please join us at patreon.com. You can join Dylan Painter and Tyler Buckley. Uh, for as little as $4.99 a month. And there's two tiers if you feel like donating. Um, all the tiers get you the podcast early and access to our Discord. And if you don't have the money to subscribe to our Patreon, uh, we still appreciate you listening so much. So thank you. Um, you know, anywhere that you can share our podcast, if you, there's a certain episode you like, um, subscribe, uh, tell a friend about the show. We love interacting with people on social media. We're, you know, still pretty green. So if there's a, something that you want to see us cover, there's probably a pretty good chance we would do it. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely feel free to, you know, communicate with us. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know if there's something you want to hear us talk about. Um, and if you could hop over to Apple Podcasts, especially if you're already on that platform, um, and leave us a five-star review, that would be super helpful to us. And it would help people find the podcast. Some people now have the ability to rate podcasts on Spotify as well. So if you do have that, um, a five-star rating would help us out a bunch there as well. Um, just some ways that you can support if you, uh, you know, don't have the cash for Patreon. So um, next week, I would like to give you a choice uh, live on the show. Would you like to? So we will return to Star Trek, but there's there's a film that is new. It just came out uh, to Hulu and HBO Max. It was in theaters. It's Nightmare Alley. It's Guillermo del Toro's uh, newest film. Came out in December, I believe. Um, and there is a film that I watched this weekend that we need to do an episode on called Coherence. And I would like to give you the option of which we do first. Well, we'll do Coherence because that's the one you've been talking about nonstop for the last couple of days. So, Coherence it is. It's on Prime. I'm not going to say anything about this movie. Just pay attention when you watch it. Um, go in cold if you can. It's not long. It's like an hour and 25 minutes. Um, but it is a little heady, so you do have to... It's kind of like not like a doze in and out kind of thing. Um, I think we're all going to have a really great discussion about this one. So, next week, one missed call, like near people booing already, um, off, off mic, uh, and then uh, Coherence, which will pick up the weekend and I think will drastically improve our, our mood after one missed call. Okay. 
Sounds good. So do uh so uh we already I don't know if it's even necessary to do this. We're we got the Loma Lounge here. Uh we're patching up where Jason Statham's car rudely crashed into our front window. Um I was forced to serve him green tea shots. I don't know why that's mm. Jason Statham's go-to, but it's what he wanted. Um, and also, you'd think it'd like slow his heart down, but I don't know. Um, so he's gone, and now the 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 Enterprise crew is back um, for Romulan ale, which we don't have. Um, so what are we gonna do? I think I think I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna dump some blue curacao into some Pabst and. and uh, serve it to our friends well aaron i got some better news uh i just ha- i'm actually having a case of romulan ale transported down uh to our bar here soon so we'll be oh, good to go mm-hmm. that was a close one i thought i was gonna get phased or uh, ear slugged or uh you're still getting ear slugged but but but, but... You, you will take your ear slug and you'll like it and you'll like it All right, everybody, thank you so much for watching. And as always, get the hell out of the bar. Get out of our bar.